How do we say this, Morty? I can't say this. Qu- Qu- Quinona? Queenwa? Qu- Qu- Queen? Queenwa. Queenwa. We've got an expert and Justin. We've got somebody who actually knows how you pronounce it. All right. That always helps. <laughs> Brian, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. We have been... Uh, we've been t- talking about... American whiskies. We are the Irish Whiskey Review, but we see ourselves as being a review of whiskey that happens to be located in Ireland. So your your distillery or distilleries, we'll get to that in a little minute, popped up last week to me and I thought, hmm, this'll be an interesting one. And we'll get to we'll get to why the Queen Queen Quinoa is uh, important. We had this on Saturday night. We don't know how you say quinoa because none of the two of us have ate it, I don't think. I might have ate it in something, but I don't remember it. I have. It's like tapioca, isn't it, Ran? It is, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. It's a, it's a tiny round grain. Uh, it, it's it's a grain-esque type of, of plant. It's it's not a true traditional type of grain like a wheat or, yeah. or a barley. How did you discover that you can use it in the production of whiskey then? Uh uh, to, to tell you that, I think I have to tell you a little bit about uh, Corsair and kind of our, our, our theory uh, around modern American craft whiskey. Um, the, the guys that started this company, Derek Bell and Andrew Weber, are engineers by trade. Um, and, you know, they didn't come up in the spirits industry. They, it's not like we had a 200-year-old recipe for quinoa whiskey or anything else. Um, they, they, they saw it as... Uh, a really cool hobby at first and they started engineering the hell out of it like uh in the martian and um you know with that they they didn't just engineer the process of distillation but they looked at different grains that you could use and looked at the limitations that the industry puts on itself really and uh they started distilling with uh, everything from millet to triticale to uh normal (laughs) normal barley and that sort of thing Wow. But then came across quinoa. And uh, when when they first distilled with it, they distilled 100% quinoa. And uh, it's it's a very small hard grain, and it, it's not very efficient at making alcohol. Yeah. So uh, it, very cost prohibitive to do 100% quinoa. And it also tastes like 100% quinoa, which <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, the, the tasting notes of quinoa are very earthy, nutty, um, uh, kind of notes. And so by, by adding some malted barley to that, they, they backed that down just, just a bit and also made it a little bit more efficient uh, yeah. in terms of producing. So they, they just kind of started distilling everything that they could possibly uh, distill now, and uh, came across quinoa. Now, their background, they didn't start out distilling. They didn't start out distilling alcohol. They, no, no, I get, I, I kind of get a feeling. Um, we're not going to go down that they they are, uh, they don't live in yurts and they don't, you know, they're not those kind of. But they did sort of try, shall we say, saving the world by sort of, uh, sort of. You know, they, so Derek is a structural engineer, and uh, you know he he has a, a very large uh, construction company in Tennessee, and uh, Andrew is a computer engineer. And they grew up friends and they wanted to start a business together. And so they started a biodiesel refining company where they would go around and pick up all the old stinky used oil from restaurants around Nashville 
yeah. uh, which, you know, Nashville loves to fry everything. So there's, there's <laughs> a lot of used oil. Um, and then they would distill that into a biodiesel and, and use that as a, as a, a petroleum fuel. And, you know, as you can imagine, that's a, a very stinky business to be in. Um, you're, yeah. you're dealing with some pretty gross inputs uh, and then some pretty heavy, heavily regulated outputs in terms of the fuel that comes off of it. So yeah. they thought, what, what can we use our, our knowledge that we've developed uh, engineering this, this biodiesel refinery? And they thought, eh, maybe we can apply some of this to spirits. And so that's, uh, that's how they got started. How come they aren't even based in California? What did they do that there in Tennessee for? <laughs> well, Nashville is like the California of Tennessee. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. It's, a, it's, it's very metropolitan now. It's the fastest growing city in the, in the States, I believe. So mm. it's, uh, it's getting very hipstery. All right. Now, um, so they moved from making diesel to, to saying, right, again, they didn't, but they just moved straight from diesel to the spirits, or no, was there no, somewhere no, in between? Uh, they they started with some homebrew, some beer, um, and Derek also has a you know about six hundred acre farm, and so they grew some vines and made some some nice wines and distilled that into a little bit of grappa and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and after they started really getting into it, uh, they they decided to go over to Scotland and train. So, so they did go over and, and train um, and came back with a, with a better knowledge of the, the traditional process and inputs to apply to yeah. uh, what they were wanting to do here. Yeah, yeah so, so essentially they started at the kitchen sink. You know, would that be fair enough to say that they started their home brews, started doing, learning their trade basically at home? Yeah, for uh, absolutely in the garage, uh, just like every uh, other great tech startup. <laughs> yeah, started in the garage. Absolutely. And, uh, actually, Amy Liebel, uh, one of the other owners of the company, and and Derek's wife, um, had had said that it, w- once Derek bought his first brandy still and put it in the garage, which is quite a large piece of equipment, um, <laughs> she came home and said, "Yeah, I think you probably need to." to go legit because you're you're producing a, a large amount of alcohol and and it's taking over our entire house so <laughs> did, did atf come around with the guns and say hands no, up not, not quite but uh oddly that's that's how we got the name corsair also is is uh corsair is is uh is french for pirate or privateer yeah these these were uh, a little bit nefarious guys that were yeah. kind of sanctioned by the government as long as they paid their taxes right yeah. so yeah you know, uh, these guys were making some alcohol and weren't weren't uh, weren't doing it with a, a distillation license, so they they went legit. Yeah. Now they started this in, in in Kentucky, but they're they're now in Tennessee. Is is that not like Ireland and Scotland of whiskey? Is there not a bit of a frisson there? Is there? <laughs> there is definitely a lot of friction <laughs> uh, with that, and and a lot of our early fans. Um, because we did start in Bowling Green, Kentucky, which is just right over the border. It's not, it's not like it's that far in yeah. Kentucky. But uh, a lot of our earlier fans are disappointed that we did move uh, out of uh, out of Bowling Green. But the reality is, um, these guys were waiting on their distillation or distillery license in Nashville. They they always they grew up there. They always wanted to open it there. Um, but there was a moratorium on new distilleries at at, okay. at the time of prohibition. And it was never lifted. 
So they they started in Bowling Green and then had to lobby the the national government to allow them to be the first distillery since Prohibition. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, <laughs> it seems a very antiquated way of looking at things, but uh, no, I mean these days the American whiskey scene is just exploding. I mean it's it's. The amount of distilleries producing whiskey now in the US is heading towards two thousand, I think. Um, and yeah, it's, it's kind it's kind of like the new Wild West. There's so many different things, but you guys have been you guys have been doing different things really from the off. And the, 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 explain some of the different um, mash bills and stuff that you guys are using. The different stuff you're yeah. doing so you, you are right that america is a little bit like the wild west when it comes to um single malt whiskey uh when it comes to bourbon or tennessee whiskey um it's it's a little bit more regulated and regimented there there are laws in place that that say it, it has to be x uh, percent corn has to be aged this long yeah. that sort of thing but uh in terms of american single malt it, it very much is the wild west um and you know, I think a lot of consumers, not just in the United States, but uh, everywhere around the world, assume that bourbon has to come from Kentucky. It doesn't. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's American whiskey, and and you can make it anywhere as long as you have fifty one percent corn and um, you're you're aging it in New American oak. Uh, you're good. Yep. So, um, we we knew that the the spirits industry was going to towards this craft fragmentation. Uh, away from the gigantic brands. Yeah. And at the same time, we recognize that the big brands, I, I wor- I've worked for Diageo, I've worked for uh, William Grant, I've, I've worked for the big guys, and we know that they produce phenomenal liquid. There's mm-hmm. no question about it. No question. And so for us to uh, you know, go to market with something, we, we have to produce something that, that gives a little bit something different than everybody else is giving. And that's kind of the theory of let's look at all these different types of grains like quinoa or oat, uh, uh, oatmeal um, or triticale or, or any of that yeah. stuff. Um, and everything that we do, we look to give a, a very modern spin on it, something that hasn't been done, um, something that either makes it much more efficient to produce than somebody else does or throws off uh, a very different smoke flavor for, you know, our, our number one product is triple smoke. Yeah. And, um, and we don't, oh. we don't just want to taste like a, a smoked uh, Isla scotch. So yeah, no, you're, you're triple smoked. This is a, this is one that caught my attention. Obviously Isla smoked is, is peated. Yeah, sure. And that that's for anyone who's not sure what that is. And pretty much everybody does these days. It's when you're malting, the barley to stop the the malting, use peat to smoke it out and to heat it up, and that puts that phenolic flavors into it, um, and various other compounds as well. But you use different types of wood to do this. Sure. So yeah, the, the the triple smoke. What's that mean? So it's it's uh, exactly one third, one third, one third in the mash bill. It's all two row malted barley, but mm-hmm. the, a third of the the barley is smoked with peat from Scotland, actually. Um, beech wood from Germany and then cherry wood from Wisconsin. Nice. And, you know, it started out as, you know, let's make a 
a an American single malt that that was very much like an Islay Scotch, and uh, so they 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 tried to secure some American peat. Um, when you burn American peat, it tastes like burning tires. Yeah, cool. Uh, it is absolutely awful. M- and- Marty would know what burning tires sounds like because he used to work for Michelin and Bibendium. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, it oh yeah. <laughs> and, not, um, not so good. No, definitely not not too good. And uh, most people don't realize that you cannot import peat itself from Scotland. So it's not like we could import the peat and smoke the, yeah. the grain here ourselves. So um, we we can import peated grain. So we we do that from from Glen Eagles um, to get our peat smoked uh, barley, mm-hmm. but then we smoke the others uh, here in the states. And, you know, we, we started with, with the American peat, and that was terrible. So they started smoking with different types of hardwoods, everything from uh, sugar maple to cherry um, to yeah. coconut husks to avocado trees. <laughs> we, wow. We, they, they smoked with over 200 different types of fuel wow. to try to figure out the right kind of balance of smoke here. And the idea was to produce a whiskey that smoke was a component of the flavor, but not overpowering. Yeah, and and it wasn't too uh, bandaidy like like a, a, a peat from Scotland. Yeah, so I'm 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 getting a a, a very barbecue t- style. Is that is that was that some of the intention for it for it to be like that barbecue sweetness uh, yeah. along with the smoke? Sure. So that's the cherry wood. It's a little bit harder wood, um, so you do get some of that barbecue kind of essence to it. And then the beech wood is a very light and whiskey smoke. Kind of mm-hmm. ties that 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 sweet cherry barbecue to the peat and makes it a very balanced smoke across it. Oh, lovely! It actually sounds really nice, and I know I know you've been winning awards for for what you've been doing. Uh, quite a few. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But the, you, you, I mean, you've been making other stuff as well. Uh, the American Rye, um, your Outrage. You're, you're doing hops in in your and. Uh, in your mash bills and stuff as well. Um, it, I mean, it just it, it seems as if you've really taken the, the taken the freedom that, that American whiskeys have and, and run with it. Yeah, and uh, th- it's a little dangerous to do that because you, I mean, it, these guys are mad scientists. They literally uh, <laughs> try to science everything out of out of the spirits. So they're they're constantly back there in the distillery. We have a tiny. 50 gallon pot still that they they do experimental batches on all the time and mm-hmm. um it's a little dangerous because yes you can come up with something really unique and innovative like a quinoa whiskey um or or you can go down the path of of distilling something that the american consumer or no other consumer w- would ever potentially want so yeah um it is listen, a fine listen who would have thought peach whiskey would have been a thing <laughs> oh God, no. Uh, no, peach whiskey was massive in the states. It was it was a huge thing in the states, sort of in the in the late eighteenth and into the nineteenth century. And now it's disappeared, and now it's all starting to come back. You know, loads of flavored whiskies and stuff now as well. But uh, you guys, we the the reason that this flagged up to us was because last week we we do our news feature. Uh, where we do the, a roundup of weekly news. And what happened was Gwyneth Paltrow during lockdown has said that she she went off the rails. She went off the rails. She said she was drinking 
two two drinks a, a night every night. And was eating, even eating bread and pasta. And she went totally off the reels. And what she said she was drinking was your quinoa whiskey. Uh, quinoa yeah. whiskey. And we've, I- been aware, we've been aware that Gwyneth uh, really enjoyed the quinoa whiskey for quite a few years, actually. Yeah. Um, she's been very public about it. Um, I think this one got a little bit of extra uh, media because of uh, some of the other comments in there about eating bread. And- <laughs> Awesome. She said she yeah. was totally off the reels eating, having spaghetti. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But it, I, I tell you what, she would never survive as my wife because mm. we eat pasta and bread and drink whiskey every day. So it's a good job <laughs> she didn't marry an Irishman. <laughs> She'd be in real yeah, exactly. serious trouble. Uh, she'd have lost us at the two drinks a day. Never mind anything else. But <laughs> no, no, but and I, you know, I, I think, I think she probably gravitated to it because of quinoa. You know, she's she's out there in California and New York, yeah. and and quinoa was was very um, cool and in uh, several years ago. Oh, was it like goji berries and stuff like that? Yeah, was it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But the, the so, thing is, it has it's, it's shown a bit of a light on what you're doing. But the fact is, when I when I saw this, I kind of thought. This is another one of these gimmicky things that she's been paid to sort of plug and so on and so forth. But when I actually looked at it, no, it wasn't. And I started to realise this is actually a very interesting distillery. It's very interesting in what you're doing. And it's been award-winning. It's been very, very well received throughout the, the spirit world. It's not a gimmick. It's not one of these, oh, it needs to be, organically sourced from you know p- plucked by disadvantaged you know labradors from that have been rescued from the streets of brazil you know it's actually a, a, a stand-up product and that has its own marketplace and it's done really really well yeah that's that's one of the things that derek and andrew are adamant about in terms of our products um we we don't source our whiskey um we we actually we, we we don't just make our own whiskey. We make whiskey for other companies that don't have their own distillery. Yeah. Um, we make bulk whiskey and, uh, and and we bottle for other folks as well. Um, and the reason they do that is because they want to make sure that what they're making is interesting and provides something different to the customer. They don't they don't want to um, just dilute everything with with corn high high percentages of corn or. Um, just go with whatever's been done before. They they want something unique, uh, and and quinoa certainly is unique. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's the fact the fact that it, the fact that it's been shown light on. You, 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 there's always trailblazers and there's people who come behind you, but you know never you're right there on yourself. And I think that the design of your bottle is is fabulous. That I, I've. I've, I've done a little bit of research for this today and, you know, obviously looked at the, the thing and you've got all the, the, the three guys walking down the, walking down the street, you know, it's, it's reservoir dogs. It is. That's what <laughs> it, that's what it reminded it, me of. It is. Yeah, it's like, you, you know, you've got that Quentin Tarantino soundtrack going in the background <laughs> and, and Justin wanting to shoot everybody. It's <laughs> <laughs> just normally what he wants to do <laughs> backstage. <laughs> Everybody assumes that it's Reservoir Dogs. It's actually not. Um, as these guys were trying to figure out what what type of great whiskeys were being made around the world, they were coming out of uh, a bar actually in Ireland. And um, and Amy, uh, Derek's wife, took a picture of them. And, um, and then they turned it into a, a kind of a graphic design. So it's actually... 
the three of the guys that were developing kind of uh, the strategy and the product direction of the company. That's unbelievable. A, a, a friend of mine was on his motorcycle at Christmas once, right? And he couldn't believe his eyes when he was driving up the street. I think it was in Down Patrick or somewhere like that there. And there was actually uh, snow and there was a drunk and there was a donkey and there was two policemen and there was a bicycle. And he says it was like being in a Guinness advert, you know, because these <laughs> things do happen. <laughs> oh, they do, they do. Um, now, in terms of, you guys are are focused really on your mash bills. What about cask finishing? What about where's your cask finishing coming in? Is it are you are you just finishing in in American oak, or are you do you know are you sherry cask finishing, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, so um, all of our our base whiskey, so triple smoke or dark rye. Um, we, we use 15 gallon new American oak, um, exclusively. Well, I shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> we do, we do mix in some 30 gallon barrels because you guys know e- each barrel is different. Um, yeah. and, and sometimes they take on too much, too much wood or, um, some, sometimes too much peat will come through or, or too much cherry. So we want to have a good balance, uh, of, of products out there that we can throw into the decant. But for the most part, it's 15-gallon uh, New American Oak or 30-gallon yeah. New American Oak, yeah. uh, mostly micro or, or small barrels. Um, we do frequently finish triple smoke in, you know, cognac, port, uh, sherry, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, we just did a, a beautiful ex-Caribbean rum cask on our Tennessee single malt uh, last year. Uh, it was beautiful finish uh, over about eight months in, in these Caribbean casks. Um, so, yeah, we, we play around with those a lot. They, they almost exclusively come out in single barrel bottlings. Yeah. Um, either for our distillery retail shop or for some of our key customers around, around the United States. Yeah. Um, like, so, yeah. So it's basically you're relying on your... Your your mash bills. That's that's where your focus is. Mash bills, not cast finishing. Because they, over here, we have a fairly big debate going on about terroir and stuff coming from certain places and Irish pot style whiskey and the mash bills and the people arguing about that and you know the cask finishes because I, I, Irish whiskey industry is so small. I mean, people don't realise that it's it, it was tiny. It's getting a lot bigger now. But and so people have been for a period of time buying in whiskey. And relying on cask finishing to differentiate between between each other because they've, they've had no real choice. You know, while their distilleries are being up and running, but it's nice to see you guys experimenting with your mash bills and really doing that and sticking with the casks, sticking with your white yeah. American white oak. I I think I, it's not just the mash bill. Um, you know, you know, it's 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 how you mash. Mm. It's how big your batch is. Um, it's it's looking at your fermentation time. Depending on the time of the year it is, because in yeah. Nashville, you know, it's 100 degrees in the summer and it's freezing in the winter. So um, you're going to get a lot different efficiencies at different times of the year. And you're also going to get different flavor profiles, you know, yeah. as as uh, a mash goes longer uh, or as it goes longer in the ferment. If it's really yeah. warm out, you're going to get a lot of fruity notes coming out like the bananas, like a, a Jack Daniels, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we control all this stuff. Uh, to to the nth degree, very scientifically, and uh, from a distillation perspective, 
you know, we, we don't just use our, our pot still. We, we use stripping stills first uh, to take about 40% uh, of the product off before it even goes into our pot still. Okay. Um, and, and so it, it, it really depends on uh, the size of the, the, the distillation you're doing. We, we do have a, a larger pot still. It's an 800-gallon uh, Vindome. Um, but we also have a 250-gallon uh, copper pot still that was uh, from prior to Prohibition. So we can really control, um, depending on the temperature outside, the type of barrels that we want to lay down in, whether it's 15 or 30, yeah. uh, whether we want to age it for a year or two years. Um, we, we can control all that mash bill, the mash, the, the ferment, uh, and, and the stripping still versus the, the pot still to really come up with a very high quality liquid. Yeah. Okay. And we're, we're, we're not aging this stuff forever. You know, we're, we're not, we're, we're, we're not, we're not relying on the barrel to, to make it good over 50. Yeah. Yeah. Now we can't let you go without asking you about international Tennessee whiskey day. Uh, what, what does that mean uh, for you uh, as a company at Corsair? Uh well, yeah, Tennessee is is near and dear to our hearts. Obviously, um, the the two founders were born and raised there. We are located there. We have three distilleries in Tennessee, um, and employ a, a fair number of Tennesseans. So, anything that shines a little bit of light on the the spirits industry and any kind of agricultural business within Tennessee is is a huge benefit to us as a community, and. Um, in addition to that, you know, Tennessee whiskey um, gets a little bit of a bad rap because it is, uh, it, it's bourbon, but it's, you know, it, it's, it's been charcoal filtered, uh, yeah. sugar, sugar maple, maple charcoal. Um, and I don't think that it gets the recognition that it kind of deserves. A lot of people lump it into bourbon. I think everybody likes to be an iconoclast. Everybody, everybody likes to knock down somebody that's doing really well. We we recently interviewed uh, a guy, Greg Oliver, who made a documentary about Jack Daniels. Um, and no matter what anybody says about Jack Daniels, lots and lots and lots of people like it. And I, I for one, never knock anybody for enjoying a whiskey. If they enjoy Jack Daniels or they, they only drink 21-year-old McAllen's, up to yourself. As long as you enjoy it, that's entirely up to you. But... I want to ask you quickly about the tourism aspect. Um, obviously, with COVID, things have been very strange for, for a period of time now. But tourism is a big thing for you in, in Corsair as well, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, we, we About half of our, our revenue and profit come from our distilleries. So from tours, tastings, uh, wow. sales, that sort of thing. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> huge. Um, yep. Tourism... In Nashville, it, it, Nashville is like one of the top tourist destinations in the United States, and that's surprising because it's completely landlocked, right? Oh, well, hang on, hang on, Elvis. Oh, Elvis. oh no, 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 oh, no, we're not going to talk about Elvis, are we? Oh no, just behave, Jim. You go back, you go back. You listen to Woody Guthrie or some of them other people that you listen to, right? We're talking about Elvis, Elvis, Tennessee, Elvis. That's all we need. Uh, Anthony, Anthony Parton as well. Two of the coolest people ever, ever. I, I agree that they are the coolest people ever, um, but you know Nashville has become a very metropolitan city, and yeah. it's got draws other than um, the Grand Ole Opry and and old school uh, country and and uh, rock music. It's mm -hmm. it's a it's a very 
vibrant city now and it's got a great food and beverage scene yeah. um and you know we're growing five to seven percent every single year and uh tourists love to come you know enjoy it and you know they they come to to our distilleries and a big part of that is the support that we get from the tennessee whiskey trail um which going back to the start of the conversation of you know the the conflict between kentucky and tennessee there's <laughs> there's always been the bourbon trail right and yeah and, and we always got a little bit of uh, tourism from that. People want to go see something slightly different, so they go two hours out of the way. But uh, the the Tennessee Whiskey Trail has has really uh, created uh, some some good awareness for tourists coming through Tennessee to to see what what we're doing with whiskey here. Yeah, I, I, all of this all really 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 important, and I like the fact that Tennessee uh, these this sort of regionality of places and people people coming together and forming guilds and bonds and all of this kind of thing. Some people see it as separate, separate, you know, separating things. It's not, it's just differentiating a little bit. There's not, the whole whiskey world's not that big really. And and everybody kind of helps each other out. People get into one whiskey, they tend to get into another one. A hundred percent. And, you know, internally we, we always, uh, we always talk about how we can help other distilleries coming up. Uh, whether it's you know talking them through the engineering bit of their distillery itself, yeah. or um, talking to them about you know what what kind of unique things they can do to their spirits or packaging design and and everything, it, like you said, it's a it's a fairly small community, yeah, and um, it's very supportive of each other. We're not we're not out there trying to bash each other over the head and steal each other's customers. No, I I, I always I always say the same thing a rising tide lifts all ships you know people people helping each other right some guys like one brand they like another one and if they like that brand they think themselves will maybe try something else and everybody anybody i know who likes whiskey ends up building up a bit of a collection you know that nobody really <laughs> drinks one little brand in, ad infinitum all yeah, right I mean. now before you go i must ask you because it's on the website and i have to ask you what's pizza and cooper copper the cats. Uh, copper. <laughs> copper and pizza. Those are, those are our mouser cats. So, so pizza was, was our mouser over at our uh, Marathon uh, Motorworks distillery location for, uh-huh. oh, God, I, I guess about eight years. She just retired. She was sent off to a farm in New Jersey to uh, live out the rest of her days. And uh, Copper is our, our mouser over at our headquarters uh, on Marathon. Yeah. I salute both of them. <laughs> I hate mice. I hate I'm, mice. A, I'm a cat person. I love cats. I love cats. I, I love cats too. Yeah, don't I you love go. cats. You, you beat me to it this week, Morty. I was going to ask them about the cats. Yeah, I read the website first. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan Schremmel from the uh, Corsair Distillery, uh, Tennessee, and other places around those parts. Thank you very much for joining us on Irish Whiskey Review. Uh, catch you again sometime. Ryan, thanks Thank very much. Thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure.